Glendon seems to be having this problem lately. Of all good things coming to him after he's gone. <laughs> and I don't mean dead. I mean graduated. Because as of... Oh, crap. Well, as of like five days ago, Glendon is officially done his degree yeah. at Ambrose University. I did my last exam on Wednesday. Two things have occurred at Ambrose recently that Glendon has learned about that he would have taken advantage of had he been around. For one, Ambrose is offering a film studies yeah. course after Glendon graduates. And for two, Glendon's favorite restaurant of all time, Subway, has opened a location right beside Ambrose. Th- that happened, like, in January. Yeah, but, like, you only got four months of it, so it doesn't count. I mean, yeah, but I still, like, had lunch there a bunch. Don't you wish that would have been there when you went on your long subway journey? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I feel like that would have been really dangerous. Because <laughs> I would have just gone there a lot instead of going to the calf because the calf was mediocre. But also, there's a subway, like, a 20-minute walk away that I would go to mm. sometimes. And there, at least, like, you're going out, you're getting exercise, you're getting fresh air, and then there's a subway at the end of your journey, and then you go back. I'm still satisfied. This meant this was convenient enough where I was able to, like, not eat at the calf and could just eat at Subway when I was at, whenever I was at Ambrose, which is so much more convenient. I wonder how well Subway will do there. It was the first day I was there. Um, they had, like, all of the high school students in there. Oh, yeah. And so I feel like it's going to be pretty popular. <laughs> but every, Classic Subway. every time since then, I don't know if it's just because the first time I went, I forgot chapel was a thing. Um, and so I went there about like 1130-ish probably. And it was oh, yeah. super busy. And then every time after that, I went like after chapel. So like 12, 15 or so. And mm-hmm. then there would only be one or two people in. So maybe it's just like hour specific. I don't know. That's true. That, yeah, that, that was a trend from what I remember back then with other restaurants like Viet High and, yeah. and all that. How does it feel to be graduated, though? It feels nice. I slept in it's thursday right yeah it's something it's like thursday that yet um yeah i slept in which was good i i made supper yesterday pretty late because i was just busy um uh-huh. <laughs> and so i made supper and then i went to sit down and usually like if i have food i'll like sit down and try to work on something um especially like the past couple weeks where i've just had papers or studying or whatever Mm-hmm. And then today I was like, I don't have anything I need to be working on. Like, I have nothing. So you're you're so free, you don't know what to do with yourself. Right? Yeah, it's kind of weird. I do think I need to... I think back in February, I had a bunch of different article ideas for my blog. And then I mm. put one or two of them into motion, but I didn't do all of them. And one of them that I was going to do was like talking about Marvel Disney Plus and stuff. Because at this point, I was like, oh, I can get this out and talk about WandaVision because WandaVision's airing. And now mm. Falcon and Winter Soldier's finale comes out tonight, tomorrow morning. True. Like, 
I guess I should get on this. Yeah, you're falling behind. It's, yeah, I've been very busy. It's true. And I also haven't, like, I've been doing work and whatnot, but I haven't written on my blog for a while. So. Yeah. And it's also, it's so much harder to do, like, an original article concept where you're, like, talking about a mm. specific thing than it yeah. is to just do, like, a movie review. And you're like, here's this thing I just watched. It's fresh in my mind. I'm going to talk about it for 20 minutes. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just haven't felt like writing either. But yeah. like my yeah. my book, I haven't touched probably since like January. I mean, yeah, you were in your last semester. You were, yeah. you slammed. You and it was working. a very busy semester. This was probably the busiest semester I've ever had. Also, Glendon's moving out. That's true. In probably the next week or so. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, he's leaving his roommates behind, or his roommates are leaving him behind. Is that, yeah, that's more accurate. Put it. Uh, one of our frequent podcast guests in the early days, Schubert, mm. will no longer be appearing on the podcast. Mm. Not that he's appeared on the podcast really recently, anyway. But like, he's leaving. So I will be. We'll have a change in format slightly, which will be exciting. Will we? I mean, probably. I guess it depends on like how many guests we have or not. But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the news is Glendon's moving in with me. Surprise! Some people will be very happy. <laughs> Wait, who? Who are know. you imagining? I don't know. I, I was thinking Darren, but I was like, I want to make True. this more oblique so that it sounds. I don't know. I don't think Darren listens to the podcast. He doesn't. I don't think so. But yeah, so uh, Matt and I will be having a new roommate in Glendon for at least a little while. Yeah, because um, I'll be leaving. So yeah, so we'll have we'll have a fun summer, and we'll probably record. Here's the thing: I got thinking about this because we'll. I think it's going to be interesting because, especially in the early days, it mm. was sort of like. You and I, I mean, we'd see each other once or twice a week yep. and then would have ideas and then we would record. And basically, like, sure. that episode is us talking about those ideas kind of for the first time. Yep. And so I wonder if that'll change if we're, like, beside each other all the time. Yeah, it will be weird because we're probably going to be discussing things more often, which means we'll probably have less compulsion to record a podcast. Right. So it's going to be interesting. It might be better for the podcast and that it becomes more structured. Like what we talk about is something we've already discussed and we have like a an yeah. outline. I mean to some extent. Our our like most popular episode is one that was re recorded. So It's true. It's true. And I don't that know what episode that is still massive. I was trying to look at transit, like why some episodes are so much bigger than others. And I don't think there's actually any rhyme or reason to it, to be honest with you. I feel like CCM is like Cause that's our biggest one is about CCM. And so I do yeah. feel like that's kind of a, a, a hot phrase at least that I can see people like searching up, but I don't know if you're going to search that up and find us. Yeah. See, like I was thinking like, I would assume it has to do with our titling, like do specific titles or specific way I title episodes do better than others. And like, to some extent, I think that's true. Yeah. But then like, I, the most recent episode, Cosmic Christ and Another COVID Easter, it's a pretty clear title that refers to what we talked about in the episode. It's by far our worst episode. I mean, not by far. It's four episodes le- or four lessons under the Ben cast. It's which... an exception. <laughs> it is an exception. Though That is the one episode my mom has listened to. 
I feel like Cosmic Christ is a very vague statement. If you don't know what it's like, what it is. I'm still surprised love and opposition is so low. Yeah, that one makes no sense to me either. Yeah. But like Power and Death, which is like the most vague title, which even you were like, yeah, no, that's too vague. You should have <laughs> titled it more explicitly, which I, looking back, I agree. But it's doing really well compared to pretty much every other episode recently. So it, that's like, true. I don't, I don't understand. Like that was that was our Colin one, right? It's true. So maybe Colin, like the I mean, retweet. That's fair. Yeah. But like that was more me just asking. But yeah, yeah. That's fair. I don't know. But then ones like early episodes with like the charismatic church or COVID nineteen, they didn't get mm-hmm. that many listens. Yeah, that's fair. I don't. I know. mean, from our early stuff, from like season one. You have ignoring CCM, which is the outlier. True. Like everything's kind of on the same level except for purity culture. Yeah, that one did really well. Yeah. Though supposedly Nikayla kind of referenced it at one point, so that maybe yeah. I don't remember that. I don't know if that's on her or on me. I don't know. Ambrose Who's to say. Ambrose, you know, maybe it just floats around. Who knows? Yeah, I have no idea. Because there are there are people who will message me and be like, "Hey, listen to your podcast." I'm like, I don't know yeah. how you found this. I don't know how you got access to this, but like, sure. It's weird who listens and who does. Like, I have like one teacher at like a Bear's Paw, like Christian school. Oh, she yeah. listens. She's the English prof or teacher, and mm-hmm. she listens to our podcast, which is also really weird. But like, <laughs> I appreciate that we have at least one loyal listener besides Ben. Yeah, but um, Ambrose drama it's true man i ambrose we can just transition directly to that i guess ambrose has a really unique way of like getting into every situation in the worst possible fashion it's true like i think about my history of ambrose and all of like the dumb screwy things that could have been avoided mm-hmm. and it's kind of mind-boggling honestly yeah I love this school a lot, but it's also like management wise can be really, really strange. It's kind of scuffed. Yeah. Ambrose just doesn't know how to do the whole publicity. No, I think that's, yeah, that's a really good short summation is Ambrose does not know how to be like a public school. Yeah, it really doesn't. And like, so what happened recently, kind of recently it technically happened in February, but like the drama blew up recently. There have been recent developments. So apparently back in February, Ambrose, the student council should be, it's important to note, it was a student yeah. council, which is yeah. kind of this distinct was, from Ambrose as, a, yeah. an, as an institution. Yeah, this is a student council event. It was for the well, which is like a student-led worship event. And um, at this event, because it was February, which is the Black History Month, they wanted to bring in a, a black speaker to talk about racism, apparently. And again, I'm I'm just telling you what I know from talking to people who were closer to the situation and from reading on mm-hmm. um, the Amber Student Council Instagram. So basically, they brought someone in to talk about racism and apparently didn't like vet him at all or apparently did vet him and decided, oh, no, this guy's perfect for what we want, which makes no sense. But. Apparently, he came in and preached that critical race theory is wrong or like anti-biblical, 
anti-biblical um basically all like it, your typical baptist like critical race theories of the devil anyone who supports it isn't a christian basically from what i understand that appears to be i don't know if it was that extreme but that was the the, the kind of like the gist of it so he comes in and preaches about critical race theory and basically denies the existence of systemic racism okay so mm-hmm. again this is after ambrose spent last summer like meeting and putting people together to try to um, raise awareness about systemic racism and how Ambrose as an institution can do better to be more inclusive of of voice of the voices of uh, marginalized right. peoples, especially yeah. the black community. Ambrose, there was like a petition. Yeah, there was a petition to have Ambrose like release a statement on this, and they did finally. Um, so there was a whole thing last time. Like it was a it was a pretty big thing. There were mm-hmm. some like two hundred signatures on. Yeah. Two, and to be clear, this is a statement like before this was back in what September. Yeah. yeah so this this was a statement made about the culture. Yeah, August, September, the culture of Ambrose and how the institution of Ambrose wanted to include more diverse voices voices yep. and bring more attention to some of the ways that Ambrose as an institution and Christianity and all these different things had been silencing voices and that they would be making efforts to change that rather than just be kind of complicit as they had been and so as part of that movement this guy got brought in to speak and so this guy who do we want to name um do we want to do we want to dive into that that's a good question i don't know um i mean we can we can address it we we're not responsible to anybody it's true um we we have a extremely tiny fan base. No no one's gonna get canceled on our behalf. It's true. We're just we're just and I mean he's he did complain that he wasn't addressed. So basically, yeah. his name is Samuel Say or C. Yeah. Um, I've never heard his name pronounced. Um, S E Y. So if you just like a dive onto his Instagram, oh, he, he posts things. He posts things like this. Jesus was called a demon for casting out demons. Don't be surprised when cr- critical race theorists call you a racist for rejecting their racist ideology. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like the logic in that one doesn't quite hold up. <sighs> Suffice it to say, he's a, a black conservative voice. Um, very against critical race theory as a concept. Um is basically most of his Instagram posts are about critical race theory or how uh, progressives hate white people. Mm. Oh, right. I I looked at his blog. His blog's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of that same thing. He talked a lot about. I saw he had a few posts about like abortion and how abortion is yeah. murder or whatever. And he's very much like it, it. Basically, his whole thing is social justice isn't biblical justice. Apparently. Yeah, which I don't understand. Oh yeah, like here's an article why reformed Christians are vulnerable to social justice. Do not yeah. grow weary rejecting critical race theory. And so like this equating is, like, the sort of thing he has. Things like if you're biased against people in blue uniforms, you're different than people who are biased against those of us in black skin. Which yeah. is just oh god, the issues with that. The false equivalence in a lot of these arguments is in is insane. Anyway, yeah. so this is like he's not like private about his beliefs. He's very yeah. outspoken. 
Um, and apparently the people in at Ambrose Student Council decided that this was the guy they wanted to come and preach for Black History Month. Um, he has something like 37,000 followers on Twitter. So he's not small, but he's not big. But boy, there are so many other black speakers and authors they could have caught and that would have actually yeah. like spoken on the issues they wanted spoken yeah. about. Including people who like are already at the institution. Yeah. They could have just brought in Mineta Bailey yeah. if they really wanted someone to talk about this. But so they so they outsourced, brought someone in, and apparently he spoke about how, again, like I said, uh, systemic racism isn't a thing, and critical race theory is, is anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. So this happens in February, and <laughs> yeah. Ambrose also, didn't cancel. Okay, yeah, you have more. I, I also think it's strange. This is just like an aside, just kind of like before we get into like the current mess i feel like it's weird that for what's essentially a worship night they got someone to talk about i don't know i i understand the heart i just it seems like a weird lateral move almost i don't know speaking about critical race theory is not a bad idea for like a worship night it just seems like a strange addition but they tried it so anyway a couple months after um and this was recently like last week ish apparently amber student council decided to release an apology for having this guy brought in to speak i want i don't i want to clarify in the wording i don't think it was an apology that he specifically was brought in to speak i though i mean the word apology is i feel like it's implying like we're sorry that this person was here it was more of a statement of we don't agree with um his beliefs about critical race theory we believe in critical race theory this is our statement as an institution it's on instagram and basically um what they said like at one point they did say we send a sincere apology to those who have been denigrated so like there is an apology portion to it sure but you're right the majority is basically acknowledging that his beliefs don't reflect the beliefs of the institution basically yeah um, for all intents and purposes, and then the one statement that seems to be the one most people have issues with are we want to acknowledge the harm that was caused as a result of his statements, and we send a sincere apology to those who have been denigrated. And to further this effort, ASC has created a new policy in our bylaws that will ensure a proper and thorough vetting process for guest speakers. Excellent. Why wasn't that already in place? Yeah, which especially because like... This isn't the first time this sort of thing has happened. Yeah. There have been instances in the past where they have brought in... a I shouldn't say they brought in a speaker. Or somebody came in to speak at an event like this and kind of clashed with Ambrose values and they had to (laughs) To, do damage. To put it lightly. Yeah. Um, So this statement gets released. And again, this is two months after this has happened, which is a really long time to release a statement like this. Um, it makes it seem very like hollow, in my opinion. Like yeah. this should have been done before, but um, from what I understand, it just was not in their priorities, which is interesting. Which also, yeah, it says something. So this guy who who was brought in to speak, Samuel, was never explicitly referenced in this statement. Mm-hmm. And he found out about the statement, tweeted about it, and yeah. he has a decent amount of followers, and they started kind of blowing up. Yeah. I should say, like, 
the statement goes yeah. out of its way not to mention him and not to make yeah. it about him as a person, but about what he had to say at that event. Which, if you want to make the the statement about what was said instead of about who was brought in, that's the way to do it. So, in some ways, this is the proper way. But so here's here's a key issue that yeah. is being brought. I just to the want to clarify here. that. Yeah, that, that's important. It is like it, the statement is very explicitly trying not to mention him. Um, we are not going about that route because, well, a we aren't involved, and b we're just talking about it, and c. Samuel's explicitly in his response on Twitter, and he's releasing an article after this podcast comes out. Maybe we'll add in like an addendum if he says yeah. something interesting in it. I don't know. Um, but basically, he said on on Twitter that like they explicitly did not mention that I'm a black man, and that my voice and my experiences don't matter to them because they don't fit their narrative of what a black man should should speak or what should believe. Basically, yeah. Um, and he kind of has a point to an extent. I'm not saying he's right. And a lot of the replies to his tweet are just bad. Mm-hmm. But he has a point that w- when I first read the statement, because I didn't know what was happening. I yeah. thought it was like some white Ben Shapiro looking guy yeah. brought in to like talk about Black History Month. I didn't mm-hmm. realize this was someone who is black and who at least has some level like... A black person can speak to it more than a white person can, is what I'm trying sure. to say. Yeah. And that's important to note. And I think my concern is that Amber Student Council brought in this black man expecting him to, again, preach what they wanted preached. Yeah. And instead of vetting to make sure they got someone who actually would, they just picked a token black man yeah. for Black History Month to represent yeah. that, oh, look at us. We're woke. We're bringing in someone who can speak on this. Yeah, Basically. and I think I think that is the look, and that is kind of like the worst thing about, like if if they've done anything bad, it was that it was that they first of all didn't vet this guy, and also like just brought in someone assuming he would agree with them. Yeah, um, which um, I'm honestly is like he says it's racist, and honestly, it's kind of a little bit racist. It is to an extent. Like there is POC voices are not monolithic and they are diverse um and that's important to understand and i think that's an important part of this conversation but also if you're going yeah if you're going to try and like talk about critical race theory don't just get a black person assuming they're going to talk about critical race theory the way that you want them to exactly that's exactly it um so like there again there are multiple things that i feel like everyone has done wrong in this situation like for one vet your speaker before you bring him in and don't result to tokenism yeah to try to look woke when you're doing your worship nights or whatever they're doing Mm -hmm. um that's a huge issue like glenda and i put more effort into vetting some guy who wanted to come on our podcast out of nowhere Mm -hmm. um to make sure he was a legitimate like person and turns out he's a scientologist who wanted to come on and preach scientology which is weird but like we we it took us what like five ten minutes to find that out and realize yeah no we don't we don't we well either we want him on to make fun of him which was glendon's idea not mine Um, (laughs) and or we don't want to bring him on because we don't want to amplify his beliefs yeah it was that easy yeah and (laughs) ambrose student council should have done that 
and yeah. especially considering they're representing an institution and me and glendon are literally just representing like ourselves Us. yeah but at the same time um yeah i think where they went wrong was in that initial movement yep i don't know if their statement and this is this is kind of what he has been saying is mm. like First of all, Ambrose as an institution. He and his followers are all attacking Ambrose as an institution, not yep. ASC, yep. not any of the people directly involved in this statement who only That's one true. of them is actual faculty. Yep. And so he's been saying Ambrose is cowardly. Um, Ambrose has been silencing my voice. Ambrose is doing this. And then his followers are jumping off that and accusing ambrose of canceling him etc etc yeah and it's important to know ambrose hasn't done anything to silence his voice or cancel him it was just this one statement that was released yeah um by the student council yeah um so it's not like there's this huge massive effort behind it It was like one instagram post from what i saw so Um, there was something because what he links is on is like a page on the ambrose website yeah okay that statement is no longer there yeah, I think I saw that he he received a tweet about that earlier today. Yeah, I I just saw this now while we were recording. Yeah, um, and that is not a good look for Ambrose. Good lord. Well, okay. So it says, um, as a Christian liberal arts institution, Ambrose University is committed to advancing intellectual experience, excellence, rooted in diversity. Oh, so it's still there. No, no, no. It's it's different. Um, oh. In accordance with our freedom of expression statement, Ambrose will acknowledge diverse opinions and encourage our students to engage thoughtfully and graciously with those who differ with them at the same time we'll cultivate an environment of charity and civility holland was involved in this i'm sure um Mm. supporting our students as they learn to navigate polarizing topics Uh, ambrose values the important contribution of personal experience the learning process each person has their own experience we believe that by helping etc etc um and so they have a full freedom of expression which i haven't looked at but then we have removed the statement slash apology from student council and student life, which appeared on this page. It was never intended to be a public. It was never intended to be public and sought only to provide support for the students who have been emotionally affected. Further, it failed to include consideration of Ambrose's commitment to freedom of expression, which is a vital part of our community experience. So basically they're apologizing for releasing the apology. They, yeah, they're they're apologizing for putting it on their website, mostly. Which is an acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Yeah. Which means they admit the, the statement they posted was wrong. I think what they're doing is they're admitting that their statement was short-sighted, not that it was wrong. But, like, put yourself into the shoes of, of Samuel or his followers. What do you think they are going to think when they see the Amber statement? I don't the really care what they're going to think. They've already but, made up their minds. It's true, but here's here's my issue with with what just happened. I'm trying to take this in, and, and uh, I'm thinking through my my uh, response in the moment. Yeah. Uh, like Glendon literally just told me this now, and I'm trying to. Yeah, I mean, I literally just found this now. So. Comprehend it. <laughs> my issue with that is, for one, now this is from what I just heard. It doesn't sound like they acknowledge that any part of the statement was valid. Do they? I. Uh, what What do you mean? Question. Like, do they? Like, like the point, I guess I should say, it seems like the only point of the statement that they recognized, that Ambrose recognizes now as being valid and should have been up, was the part that it was they were apologizing to students who have felt hurt. That yeah. seemed and to be, like, the intention of the statement. Yeah, and I feel like that was, that was their original intention. Yeah. Um, and they're, 
they're expressing that maybe there is a lack of nuance, which, which is valid, which is valid. I like I I mean, if I'm in if I'm in Monique's chair, if I'm mm. Lauren Schmicky, whatever, um, I don't know how I respond to like Samuel's rant that. Yeah, whatever. And I think this is fairly level handed. The one thing I would have done in the original statement and in this one, especially in retrospect, because something something that Samuel and his followers are really jumping on is mm-hmm. the idea that like the original statements talked about like students who were hurt by yep. his message. And I it everyone is immediately jumping to the assumption that, oh, there's a bunch of like white privileged libs and they can't mm-hmm. take someone who disagrees with them, which is really funny because that's just not the Ambrose, like maybe maybe white, maybe privileged, but Ambrose is what centrist at best most of the time. Uh the people who were hurt probably were white libs. Well, I don't I don't know if that's what the statement was for. I feel like the statement was we are trying to be inclusive to BIPOC voices yeah. and the BIPOC students. And this was a message that clashed with what we're trying to do, which is talk about how our students have been hurt by institutional racism in this school. The the issue I have with that is just that Ambrose is so damn white. I mean, it's fairly white, yeah. The way the statement was worded was very vague about who they were referring to being. It was hurt. really vague, which is why we can debate like who yeah. was that actually intended towards. Like, judging by what I know of white progressives versus people of color who are progressive, it was probably the white progressives that spoke up and were upset about it. Yeah, just I from know. what I just from it's... what I know, and at being a white, mostly progressive person. Yeah. It seems to be that they are the loudest. That's um, fair. That is a trend. So it would like I I kind of understand the backlash about that. Now that doesn't that doesn't excuse the fact that preaching that systemic racism isn't a thing and that critical race theory is anti-Christian mm-hmm. that does hurt people of color and that does hurt yeah. black community. And it and it's very possible, if not likely, that if there was a, a a person of color or a black person in that uh, in that uh, worship night, they could very well have been hurt. And the statement could be responding specifically to them. It could be on their behalf. And that's important. It's not to say, like, I don't know who attended. I don't know the details. I can't really speak to it. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I, f- I feel like Ambrose admitting that student council released a statement hastily is both kind of mature, which I kind of respect it. It's like, oh, we are wrong. We admit that. Yeah. Um. Also, I don't know. It's not sitting well with me, and I can't really yeah, I, elucidate why. Because I guess my biggest thing is: Do you release a, a counter statement at all? Is yeah. like, do you just? And this is why I'm so glad I'm not in authority, and hopefully won't yep. be ever again. Because it's when you get into these things, it's do you let this fester? Mm -hmm. or do you try to like get on top of it and counter it because it's kind of a lose-lose situation if you let it fester people will just go and start arguments with john coots on twitter um true 
But if you if you get on top of it, you ri- or try to get on top of it, you risk doubling down. And I don't know. This is again. This is so extremely vague. I don't know how to even take it. And this is part of my whole frustration with this, and something I've been thinking about a lot. Which is why I sent the the Ellis video to you. Which is mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Is like, especially Twitter, but also the internet in general. We've kind of talked about this before. Like there's such there's no room for nuance and there's no room for charity nobody wants to say hey maybe you phrased this poorly let me try to engage with this in like the best possible way maybe you meant this maybe you are like people actively want to read things in the worst possible way so that they can dunk on people for internet points yeah and so it almost doesn't matter what you say because it's just going to get worse anyways. I think maybe what's not sitting well about the statement is that like Ambrose is standing by the fact that you can have freedom of expression to express yourself and your experiences and all that. But they, at least from what I heard, they didn't account for the fact that people also have a right to acknowledge that, that those opinions, those beliefs are harmful or can mm-hmm. be harmful. Yeah. Like you have, people have a right to say no. What you're saying is harmful. What you're saying could hurt people, and yeah. we disagree with that. And I don't see that in the statement. And yeah. maybe that's what's not sitting well. Maybe. And an associate professor at Ambrose, Dr. Menenda Bailey, tweeted this out later uh, after we recorded this episode, and I think it says exactly what I was trying to say, but a lot more succinctly and just better. Um, And she said, freedom of expression does not mean more than black lives, period. And I think that's what's missing from the Ambrose statement in response to the backlash. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think that's kind of like characteristic of this whole back and forth is there's nothing wrong with somebody saying, hey, I believe this thing. And for Mm -hmm. student council to say, actually, we don't agree with you. And exactly. Here's why. And that should that could be the end of the argument. That could be the mm-hmm. end of the conversation. But instead, we have this attitude. We're like, oh, they're disagreeing with me. They're trying to silence me. And it's like, no, this is an intellectual debate. People can disagree. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how this situation continues to develop. Yeah. Well, so this is a thing. Um, this is something what? that I just found out. There's uh, something we, else? There's something else. It is... <sighs> so... Because we were talking the other day about this, and we were like, we don't know how big this will get if this gets big at all. Like, yeah, because I was my, I, I said this originally. I think I messaged Glendon when this first started. When I saw that Samuel was really like blowing this up, hmm. I was like, people are going to tweet this as Stephen Crowder or like Ben Shapiro. Yeah, and if and it I ends was... up being, they love the small little stories about little progressive institutions doing something like this. If they yeah. pick it up, Ambrose could be seriously effed. So I got a message today. I don't know. I don't think this is confidential. I probably not. I have no idea how this works. I got a message just before we recorded from a National Post reporter. You did? I did. Um, asking if I tuned into the Zoom broadcast and had any thoughts about it or if I knew anyone who did. Well, why you? I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, National Post. Right? Oh, crap. <laughs> 
Okay, we're breaking we're breaking news on thirty forty vision now. <laughs> we um, literally are. Um, oh Jesus! Why did they reach out to you of all people? I have no idea. Um, but do you did. even have Ambrose in your like? Was this on? I Twitter? think I do. This was on Facebook. That that, that was the most shocking thing. What? On, on Twitter, I wouldn't be surprised because I would like interacted with John Coots a little bit and like some of these threads about him. I've said nothing on. You Facebook never post on this. Facebook. I yeah, I've stripped back from Facebook a lot. So like the only like it says you said it at Ambrose, but why did they pick you instead of I don't anyone know. else? I don't know. It's not like you've tweeted anything recently or posted anything about it. You posted about Jesus and John Wayne. You posted That's your true. blog a couple times. Yeah, it's since I've been on Twitter, I've definitely like pulled back a lot. But so this is this is somebody's somebody at the National Post is working on this right now. Um, uh oh. So I don't know how that works. I don't know if there's potential of that j- just to like flatline and not go anywhere. Do I hate but... National Post. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I do. I forgot. Do you? So the National Post is owned by Post Media. Post Media is a pretty scummy company, and there's a lot of issues with them, especially in Canada. But I mean, if you know the reputation of the Sun in many different places, that's yeah, it's the same company. It's just like a little bit more legitimized in the National Post, but usually it's biased towards conservatives. So it has that right wing bias, which isn't always a bad thing. It doesn't mean it's it's bad. It's just. Uh, They've posted some pretty iffy things, especially recently. Ooh. Ooh. Do I, like, respond? Oh, no. <sighs> yeah. Uh, like, they've been accused of anti-Islam stuff and, and all this. Part of me is like, oh, do I try and spin this for, like, myself? Or not, not least, for myself personally. I should be careful before I critique the National Post. You got to make sure it is who I think they are. I think they post some stupid articles sometimes. Yeah. No, they're conservative. Okay. That's why they're running it. That is. Oh, damn. Because part of me was like, hey, I could um, be like, hey, here's a positive spin on this. But if they're super conservative, they're not going to listen to that. And they're going to spin my words. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I know post media is kind of trash. I mean, they're the ones that ask the stupid questions at all the COVID uh, Alberta like press conferences. The problem with post media. National Post. No, it doesn't mean they're all bad. Like, like, yeah, I. But the son kind of. Yeah, is... I, I still need to re- respond to him, but that's, that's uh, where we're at right now. Well, that's interesting. Why did yeah. they? I, I still don't understand why you would not say like Lauren or like yeah any of the profs. <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, who's to say that they haven't also done that? But I'll gladly reach out. I mean, what? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably say something like I wasn't at the Zoom, but I have thoughts, which is true. And yeah. they might not care. But Or maybe point to someone who could make an official statement. Yeah, I'd probably point. I would probably point to Lauren and be like, if you want to talk to anyone, talk to Lauren or Monique. Yeah, I would, that's probably the way to go. I so want to dunk on people. This is this is both the Internet and also me as a writer. I just want to be like, hey, here are my thoughts. Let me spin this to here's 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 what's gonna happen though but it's, so let's say this, it's it's the media and they will twist you the post is probably gonna spin this into a conservative spin it's just that's what they do i think the post was the one yeah no now i remember the post was the one early on that would kept talking about how canada wasn't getting enough vaccines and trudeau wasn't doing enough that's oh, why i know the post and okay. i was pissed at them 
because it was stupid. It was super exaggerative and and relying a lot on like fear-based stuff like oh we will never get enough vaccines to 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 be vaccinated by the summer or whatever. Yeah, so that's that's the level that we're at. That's again, like these are just immediate developments that are happening. So the post is going to publish this and it's going to be out there and then it'll be linked to Steven Crowder or Ben Shapiro and then it'll be big in the YouTube space and that is how Ampress blows up. Basically. It's all up to Glendon now. It's all up to me now. So yeah, to kind of wrap up this discussion, <laughs> Ambrose shouldn't tokenize because that's obviously gets you into trouble. It's true. B, release your apology or your acknowledgement like after the event happens, but not two months later. Yeah. It's... It raises unnecessary drama later on. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And this is something else that I wish I knew more about. Because I've talked to, like, different people who are involved in various ways. And I don't, like, from what I understand, it, they just kind of got busy. And so they didn't release a statement. And part of my thing is, like, why is it necessary to release a statement two months later? If, like, if, and I don't know the culture right now on, on residents or anything. But, I mean, I didn't know this event happened until two days ago. And so, yep. presumably, it wasn't that huge of a deal that you needed to put out a statement and now it is yep release your statements early if you're gonna do it if it's a big deal lesson number three probably shouldn't be responding to stuff like this on social media and lesson number four glendon's gonna have to save the situation by responding to the national post i yeah so i sent him a message while we were down oh i basically said I wasn't at the broadcast. I do have thoughts on the broader situation. Probably your best direct feed would be Lawrence McGuire, Monique Verhoof. That is the best possible response. Yeah, because I I thought initially it was like, oh, I know I know people who went there. Maybe I'll ask them. But I'm like, I don't want them to get wrapped up in the post. Plug the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be like, listen for... to this episode. Yeah, that'd be so much fun. Then we could get canceled. <laughs> Yep, the other way we can get canceled what I want. I've been waiting. They'll listen to our past episodes. I'm gonna be so fucked. Yeah. I guess the thing the thing that bugs me the most about the response of Samuel and his followers, like I said, it's True. super in bad faith, super uncharitable, super like let's intentionally read this as racialized as possible, which alright, sure. There are reasons for I mean, that. This, yeah. There there's some validity in that, but to the extent, like one of one of his one of his followers were like, "Wow, I guess they need to they need to reread the Ninth Amendment or something like that." I'm like, if you're going to try and get angry about this thing, be educated about it. Like, mm. don't create a narrative where you have this like privileged lib school and they're trying to like just be woke and trying to be relevant. Because it's a tiny Canadian Christian private school that really doesn't have any press and is like it's sponsored by the Alliance and the Nazarene. Sponsored by the Alliance and the Nazarene. And it's only like right now kind of trying to be slightly mildly progressive. And in doing that, they failed. True. And I think it's more admirable to try and fail than to not do anything at all. Um do or do not. There is no try. Right? Exactly. But because because um 
systemic racism is fake and CRT is anti-biblical. There's just no charity for, well, they tried their best and then screwed up. I also think it's funny that he is using, maybe not explicitly CRT, but he is kind of like poking at CRT in order to judge Ambrose. Yeah, to some extent. Because it's like, oh, you're not listening to my voice? I guess you're actually racist. It's like, okay, like there are elements of what you're saying is true, but you're not doing this to have a healthy conversation. You're just doing this to dunk on the school, which it's a super tiny school. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Honestly, this is just a mess. And, and hopefully the big lesson is don't bring in people unless you're going to vet them and be sure that if they're going to speak and you disagree with them, that you like say that earlier. Or just don't bring in people that you're going to have to make an, an acknowledgement statement of. <sighs> I mean, his article, I think, comes out tomorrow. So maybe maybe after that, we'll have to reconvene and be like, what do we think yeah. about this? Because depending on how his article goes and depending on how, if the National Post article happens, is really yeah. going to shape what the future of this conversation looks like. I'm just glad I'm already on my way out. <laughs> yeah, you have your degree. You're safe. I'm yeah. glad I've already been accepted into Western for my master's. Yeah. Um, because if Ambrose goes down the drain here, uh, my application might not have looked so good. <laughs> yeah, that is the fear, right? I was trying to think of a smooth transition into talking about like fundamentalism and purity culture, and mm. maybe it was because we were in person. I miss having like really, really slick translation tra- translations. Yeah, clearly that's the word I meant to use. Yep, definitely. But I mean, there is a sense where this is like I feel this is something that kind of is born out of evangelicalism to a degree where it's i have one clear vision of the world and anyone who disagrees with me is i don't know maybe not (laughs) well i feel like honestly the situation really doesn't have too much to do with fundamentalism or purity culture or cancel culture except that he's claiming he's being canceled yeah like a, a decent way of of defining fundamentalism is um, I'll I'll resort back to Peter Rollins as I do in every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, in a recent episode of The Fundamentalists, um, with Peter Rollins and Elliot Morgan, uh, Peter Rollins defines fundamentalism as a way of covering up or avoiding ontological antagonism. Mm. Now, to I'll break that down a little bit. Um, for those of you who might not be familiar with at least ontology. Mm-hmm. So ontology is basically the, the philosophy of being, or at least the understanding of, of what it means to be. To be. And so or not to Rollins, be. Rollins's claim is basically that there's a fundamental antagonism founded in being itself. There's an inherent lack, as we've talked about in previous episodes. And a fundamentalism is a, fundamentalism is a way of covering up or avoiding that. Mm-hmm. In, in religious fundamentalism, it's like it almost offers a narrative that like yeah makes you feel better about the antagonism. It's like oh, there's this like there's sin or there's suffering, mm-hmm. but oh, it'll be better after you're dead. Yeah. You'll get eternal life, or this suffering is just a way to make you grow closer to God, or like mm-hmm. trying to make it's trying to cover up and ignore the fact that the reality is this antagonism that this is just part of what it means to be yeah and this is that there is suffering 
Yeah, like, Jesus and John Wayne talks about this a little bit, because you look at the history of evangelicalism, and it's a lot of, like, in order to kind of demonstrate their own relevance, it's you need to create an enemy. And that enemy has looked like various, various things over the course of American history, especially. Well, it's scapegoating Mm -hmm. whatever with this antagonism and blaming the inherent antagonism on something that they think will solve the problem. Sure. So it's like, if let's say, let's use the Old Testament as an example, the literal scapegoat. Yeah. If we just sacrifice this goat, that will solve the problem. That's the reason we're we're suffering. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many stories in the Old Testament about like, oh, this person sinned. Let's just get rid of him. Yeah. And then that'll solve the problem of of our. That's why Israel is losing this war, or why right. we're we're suffering in this way. Yeah. It's if we get rid of this problem or this group of people, or if we do this certain thing, we will live in a form of a utopia. Right. If we if we get rid of all the conservatives, we'll finally have that utopia. If we get rid of all the liberals, we'll finally have that utopia. Or if we take it a step further, if we get rid of all the Jews, we'll have this utopia. Or if we continue to subjugate black people because they're considered impure, we need to keep things white, and then we'll have this utopia. Right. If we, if in Christianity, if we get rid of the Muslims, we'll have that utopia certain struggles of christianity i'm th- i'm thinking historical christianity sure yeah like i'm talking like christendom like we're yeah. you know going back to did you ever take medieval world literature yeah i think you did yeah 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 you know what i'm talking about yeah i don't know if we talked I about if... that at all though did you never read like the song of roland i don't think so what darren i'm disappointed anyway oh, darren i referred to that in my capstone paper that's funny um there's this and it's not like it's also should be noted like this fundamentalism is inherent to like everybody has it. Mm-hmm. One could even call it the ego in some way. Mm-hmm. They're kind of intertwined. Yeah. Like, and this is I don't remember the author, but Nikayla's cited, I think him, a few times where they they talk about the um kind of the pattern of Christianity or at least modern mm-hmm. Christianity where there's a tendency towards segregation or assimilation. Yeah, and well, I mean, there's a there's a lot to that. I mean, Peter yeah. Rollins talks about in the idolatry of God. There's like four different means that Christians try to mm-hmm. get rid of the other, whether that's assimilating the other, just destroying the other, um, ignoring the other, pretending right. it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And and part of that is segregation. Like it's it, it's you see yeah. either you you look like us and then we'll accept you, or you can go yep. and play in your corner far away from us. Exactly. Um, which is interesting because at least the community in Acts is the exact opposite of that. They're constantly changing their own views and their own values about the world in order to include more and more people. Mm-hmm. And again, fundamentalism is not just a religious thing. It's also a mm. societal thing. It's a psyche. If we, It's any form of ideology is basically a fundamentalism to some extent. If sure. we... If we follow, if we use capitalism, if we follow the capitalist ideology, that will be the the solution to our problems. If we follow the socialist ideology, that will mm-hmm. be the solution to our problems. Right. And that's not to say that following it's not that ideologies can't be helpful, mm-hmm. but it's the idea that doing this certain thing will ultimately get rid of the fundamental antagonism that is founded in just being. 
Mm-hmm. In other words, a fundamentalism would be clinging to any ideology too tightly and not recognizing its own flaws. And I mean, you could argue, oh, is there really a fundamentalism or is there really an antagonism that's fundamental to being, which I think is kind of the, the core of at least Rollins' argument. Right. And I mean, if you look at how the evolution works and how stars are created and, and all of sure. that, I mean, it's pretty clear there is a, some kind of antagonism. Mm-hmm. foundational to, to how everything becomes what it is or how everything is what it is yeah and i mean we all we all experience that inherent lack that feeling of like i need to do this in order to feel mm-hmm. whole yeah um and when we start when, when we create systems mm-hmm. or religions or whatever that decide that in order to get rid of this lack this antagonism mm-hmm. we need to pin it on something that we can actually fix so like this is the problem this group of people is a problem where like this action that we need to do this will help get us out of this problem and that's how you create purity cultures yeah i think it's interesting part part of our i think why we're talking about purity culture again is i just got thinking about it a lot the other day Mm. even before this conversation and it seems to me that part of where this idea of purity culture comes from is biblical literalism to an extent but like and which literalism fundamentalism but there there's and i don't know how this happened i I think there's probably history here that i don't have access to but somewhere somewhere in christian history there is this movement i guess maybe part of the reformation towards less communal understandings of anything and more into everything is about personal individual salvation yeah i mean if we're talking about strictly christian purity culture yeah yeah i mean that's what i'm most interested in i guess i mean it's important to note that purity culture is not like a a christian phenomenon (laughs) sure like not uniquely at least it's it's found in well everything yeah that if like if we if we only have this certain group of people or this certain belief or this certain ideology or if we only act or only allow actions that are this certain way yeah that will solve all the problems yeah we need to get rid of everything else in order to remain pure Mm -hmm. but at least like what christian purity culture comes out as is kind of this attitude of like reading everything in the bible in terms of like individualist action and it's sort of this understanding that if you as an individual are just good enough, mm-hmm. um, if you as an individual just say the right things, then things will be fine. But so much of the biblical sources people use for that things aren't talking about individuals. They're talking about how to exist in a community. But then you doesn't that just lead to if we as a community do the certain things right well, and no. live in a certain way? I mean, I... I'm thinking about things where it's like um, you look in James or various other parts of the Bible or like just as an, as an easy example, it's like, don't like talks about like unwholesome talk or like using the ton properly. Um, And that always gets translated as like, Oh, well don't say bad words. You as an individual just need to say good words as opposed to think about how your actions affect those in your community. Think about how what you're doing affects your fellow human being. Yes. I'm, I'm curious how that relates to purity culture for you. Well, I mean, 
that is where a lot of these things start. Is it, it, Instead of, like, hey, as a community, think about, like, these issues, debate these issues. It's, you need to do these things in order to be pure. And yeah. anyone who doesn't do these things is bad and wrong. And exactly. And creates hierarchy and whatever. Instead of, like, just think about this. How are you affecting your fellow humans? That is kind of the core. So, like, a good way that I'm going to put it to help illustrate Glendon's point is, like, if you individually start to believe that, oh, if I do this right, I'll be saved. And therefore, if someone else does this right, they'll also be saved. Mm -hmm. Because it's true for me. It must be true for everybody else. Mm -hmm. If I suffer from this, then therefore it's bad for everybody else. And once that becomes ingrained into a community then it's like, okay, so this is true for this community, therefore it must be true for everybody else. Mm -hmm. If we believe that all sex is immoral, so therefore we won't be having sex. Right. Therefore, if you do have sex, you're wrong. Yeah. And you need to either be, like, stomped out or ignored or assimilated. You need to be converted. You need to... (laughs) That's a a good one. Yeah. And then it becomes a religion, Mm -hmm. which is even larger. Then it's like, if you follow this belief, you'll be saved. And if you don't, we either need to convert you or destroy you. It's the primarily two things that religion does. And then it becomes larger and into a society. You have to live the way the society instructs you to live. You have to follow their beliefs. And if you don't, we'll assimilate you as obviously white imperialism did with the indigenous tribes of Mm -hmm. North America. Or we'll destroy you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it all, like, honestly, like, our whole society is founded on purity cultures. Oh, yeah. I mean, not even just talking about the Puritans who founded kind of evangelicalism, but a society as a whole mm-hmm. is founded on this idea that you need to fall into into line or be destroyed. Sure. And I think yeah. what you're saying is that a biblical understanding community is that you yeah. need to integrate differences of opinions and differences in yeah. people. Also, I guess just that individualism... It- as opposed to a communal reading of anything really, but especially the Bible, which is largely written to com- towards communities who are like existing together. But like individual readings tend towards individual piety and then that leads to hierarchy. I don't know, that sort of thing. But would you say that communal piety is any better? <sighs> I mean, I... I what is communal piety like that that's see that's what i'm kind of getting at here. yeah what is your when you say like a communal reading of the bible what does yeah. that mean because I'm, you could read it as like if my community lives this way we'll be saved and everyone else will suffer i i mean i would just argue that that's a bad reading but like but is it know. not a communal reading is my question I don't know. Maybe I'm just too tired to think about any of this right now. Um, I'm just trying to bring out what uh, how you would define a a good communal reading of yeah. the Bible. Well, I guess, or can, of anything. Yeah, sure, of any. Yeah, you, you continuing to use, I guess, the Bible, and I, I think specifically, I have a lot of the New Testament in mind because it's kind of what gets used. Like mm-hmm. these are passages written to communities' intention. These are passages written to groups that are. I think trying to oppose assimilation, like Mm -hmm. Paul is actively trying to oppose assimilation. He's like, forget um, like circumcision or all of these different things. Like we're not trying to just make everyone look like us. We're trying to create 
genuine intimate community that exists for one another and mm-hmm. the 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 divine in one another mm. and i think if you're doing that like communal piety shouldn't exist in the ways that you're talking about yeah like if your if your goal is to uplift the divine in one another and to act out of the best interest in the divine for one another then you're not going to get into these hierarchies because even even i guess the communal piety that you're talking about is a form of individualism it's just an individual group against other groups yeah absolutely in other words it's like it's seeing the divine in in other people in, in your group or in other people mm-hmm. just in general and also recognizing there are differences between you and sure. accepting those differences and listening to those differences and engaging in that yeah and not trying to just well get rid of them yeah the goal the goal isn't to make everyone look like you because you're the divine exactly the goal is to mm. seek out the divine in others and celebrate mm. how that's reflected diversely Well, you just got my song point in the podcast. Nice. <laughs> and this kind of leads into cancel culture because mm-hmm. cancel culture is literally the destruction of differences between people yeah. to some extent. And it depending it, on yeah. certain context. It generally seeks this is I guess this is the broader thing that I I've had in my mind the past couple of weeks as I've been like, hey no, look at this, look at this. It's we need nuance as a Mm -hmm. culture and as a community. If you don't have nuance, you're going to create hierarchies. You're going to oppose people and you're going to create structures and environments that just seek to assimilate, destroy, whatever. Yeah. In other words, certitude is one of the fundamental problems with fundamentalism. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lack of nuance thrives in individualism because if I can just exist in my own head without needing to listen to other people. I never have to be nuanced because I can just be like, hey, this is what I think. I'm right. Screw you. But if I look at someone who I disagree with, but I'm trying to see the divine in them, I need to, in the best way possible, interact with that person. And that requires nuance. There needs to be room for questioning and and context and different understandings and different Mm -hmm. perspectives instead of this certitude that oh what i believe is 100 percent right and everyone else is wrong and therefore when i if i even listen to what they say it's coming from this perspective of they're wrong yeah i'm right and i'm gonna prove them or prove to them that they're wrong yeah which is why and in other words apologetics yeah exactly which is why like bringing back to i I guess a week ago, Lindsay Ellis put out a video responding to things that happened probably a month ago at this point, which borderline, she's like a a film critic on YouTube, not even a critic. She just does like video essays and stuff. She's written a book. She has other books coming. Um, Generally pretty well-read, well-informed, et cetera, et cetera. She put out a a take on Raya the Last Dragon that was kind of half-baked and not super great and she compared that to that movie to avatar the last airbender which i want to point out a lot of people were already doing including screen junkies and didn't get flamed for it 
Well, I mean, it's important to note the context of when she tweeted. What do you mean when? Like what occurred the morning after she tweeted. You're talking about when she tweeted about Avatar The Last Airbender and Raya, the yeah. dragon thingy. Yeah. I had originally said that uh, this tweet had occurred like the morning of the mass shootings on the Asian spot workers. Um, but that was actually that that event had occurred a week and a bit before it, But there were various attacks on on Asian uh, people that were occurring around this time. And so Twitter was super on about like anti-Asian hate crimes. And her her tweet kind of got uh, mixed in with that as being oh, co- contributing to these hate crimes. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so like it all gets conflated together, right? Basically, she tweeted that, went to bed, and then woke up, and there's a whole yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do remember that. And a lot of people, it's, and this is like, she expresses multiple times that there are people who are operating in good faith and said, hey, please don't compare these two. Don't just say, because these are Asian aesthetic, these are the same thing. Like, there are problems with that, um, which is a genuinely fair critique. Um but then a lot of people were just jumping off of those initial Asian voices and totally raining fire on her. And a lot of these were like now white liberal voices saying like, how dare you be racist? How dare you do this and this and this? And yeah, just not engaging in any nuance. And so like in this video, basically she steps back and says, here's the context of what I said. Here's all of these different things. I wasn't intentionally doing anything. Um, I understand there are ways that this could have been interpreted this way. And I like, I did not mean that. Um, but also you need to treat people with decent respect, especially on the internet. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, you just watched the video. I, I, this was a week ago yeah. for me. So well, it's she very talks about one of the major things she talks about is how Twitter is so performative sure, and how yeah. everyone will jump on it and attempt to like, look woke. Like I'm going to respond to this and dunk on you because mm-hmm. I want to look right. I want to look like I'm the white, right kind of <laughs> the white kind of woke. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, like we talked about earlier, you brought this up that like a lot of these white progressives would just use the people of color who they like agreed with and use mm-hmm. them to support their argument and ignored those that they disagreed with. Yeah. Cause this is, this is what I mentioned earlier where all these, all these, all these white people were like, listen to people of color. And she is like, I have people of color in my life who I asked about this, who I've talked to about this, who I've had these conversations with. They're fine with this. Like, mm-hmm. and so we get into this, this um, very kind of white progressive mindset of, where we like almost ironically like put people of color into a box and into a monolith and just assume that they have one voice when it's like no there are people like you there's going to be a lot of complexity here and it doesn't help that twitter amplifies the loudest voices of whichever community you're a part of and oftentimes it's not representative of people as a whole yeah and and that's again we talked about this in social media. Yeah. After we talk about this in a lot of episodes now. Sure. But like Twitter is just not a great place for legitimate discussion because really... someone someone in the context, I don't know if this is quoted from the video or if this is just their quote, but like they said context is hard, rage is easy. Yeah. And that's literally Twitter to a T. Yeah. And I mean she she continues to go on that video. There's like a whole like 40 to 50 minute segment where yeah. she talks about like every single tweet from the past 10, 20 years that people have like dug up against her 
and basically unpacks the context. And a lot of it is super incredibly personal of like, here's like mm-hmm. the trauma I was going through in this time. Here's why I was in this mindset. Here's why like these things come about. It's not just I in an abstract decided to do a bad. And she admits like some of these aren't good things to say. Like I regret like a decent amount of this. And some of this just existed in a context that you weren't aware to. And so it comes off differently in an abstract. And so, again, nuance. Like, we we mentioned this in the social media thing, but, like, you don't know these people. You don't know their mm-hmm. lives, where they've come from, where they're going. You don't know the people they've talked to, the places they've been. This is what I had with, Am- like, this whole Ambrose thing as well. Like, you're assuming so much about this school to come to the conclusions that you're coming to. Not necessarily like Samuel say, but definitely his followers are assuming so much about who the school is, what they're trying to do, what the statement is trying to do, mm-hmm. what this event was trying to do. Even assume, assuming that this was like an institutionally run thing and not like a student run event. You're assuming so much and creating arguments based on that so you can dunk on people rather than actually trying to engage with them as human beings yeah and that yeah. exhausts me and infuriates me like when when all the stuff with Lindsay Ellis first started happening i legit had to like uninstall twitter for a day or so because she was like trending for a couple of days and i was like i get why what she said could be hurtful and i if you're in that place i respect that i understand that but also don't spend the entirety of your life like there are so many people in that situation who are like good she's getting what she deserves she deserves to burn like who's next what what liberal woman is next let's make more people burn and it's like i don't know that whole mindset is just so exhausting to me well it's because twitter seeks to dehumanize and destroy anything that's again anything that goes against their purity yeah yeah She's impure. She yeah. doesn't fall into their correct definition of wokeness. Yeah. Therefore, she needs to be destroyed or else we'll yeah. never achieve that woke utopia. Yeah. That's really what it is. No, that is. And I think she talked about that too. Like, this is the goal is if we can't, like, cancel's a funny word, but if we force enough people off of our platforms, then everything will be perfect. Just give me an interesting counterexample. But... I was seeing something interesting happen with like Chris Pratt on Twitter over the oh, last Oh yeah, Chris year Pratt's got a lot. <laughs> because Chris Pratt doesn't usually post too much right. on his social media. It's like mm-hmm. the occasional post and usually it's not like controversial. Sure. It's just like his his life for all intents and purposes. Sure. But because he goes to Hillsong, yep. or at least he went to Hillsong, I don't know if he still goes. Mm-hmm. Um people just like scour his social media trying to find something to cancel him with. It's true. It's like it was it was insane going through like one time he was trending and yeah. it was just like people posting screenshots of like I've got to try to find something to to take him down. We know he's a bad person. We just have to prove it. And it's like I I don't know what Chris Pratt believes personally. I don't know mm. what, if he is uh, affirming of the LGBTQ community. I don't know. Yeah. Um if he went to Hillsong, I mean, I that's a poor choice, but <laughs> I've also gone to a Hillsong church before. That's fair. Um I went to a church for many years that ended up being Bethel Light. So, yeah. like, it doesn't mean that he believes everything they believe. Mm-hmm. And, like, just because he didn't go to some, like, meeting thing or something that that you thought he should have been at doesn't mean that he is, like, 
a, a homophobe or, or whatever you're using yeah. them of. Like people are just so desperately trying to cancel people that they yeah. think are wrong and yeah. affirm people that they think fit their their uh, purity. Like look at Chris Evans. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm all for affirming Chris Evans, but mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's almost like an idolization. Sure. Is how Twitter works in idolizing and demonizing. No, it's true. And there's very little, like you said, very little nuance, very little of that gray space in between. Yeah. And it's it's a problem. It is a problem. And it's yeah, I don't know. I any any time this happens where it's just a a deluge of hatred with no consideration, it mm-hmm. it like it physically exhausts me. I have to shut it out. Cause it's just Yeah. I don't know. I'm too empathetic, um, which probably isn't a bad thing, but some days it feels like a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, again, there's a limit to our empathy. We talked about this in the last episode. There's only so much empathy we can have for people, um, both from like a, an evolutionary anthropological understanding. And mm-hmm. even if you just look at like the inklings and how Lewis and yeah, yeah. understood how our, our limits. Yeah. I've been thinking a decent amount lately about the idea of like, what i mean hey read um or read listen to what is it um love and opposition which is a really good episode that Mm -hmm, didn't get enough traction it's really good but on that note i've been thinking again about like the idea of what does loving your enemy look like Mm. and i i keep getting this image of like the new earth at least how i envisioned the new earth where it's um you know it's not heaven but like it's it's a renewed earth and everyone's there and i'm it's an I'm ideology just... that covers up antagonisms yeah. <laughs> more or less um and i'm just imagining like seeing like john piper or john MacArthur there or like samuel say or whoever and being like i now need to exist in community with this person this Can is i what... take it a step further sure yeah adolf hitler yeah like how do you deal with that? Say, say, yeah. say universalism is yeah. correct. Say whatever. And say you get to the new earth and Hitler and Stalin are there or whatever. How do you engage in community with that person? Cause you're mm-hmm. going to have to like, that's going to be your life forever. <laughs> yep. And then realize that we're living in that world right now. That's true. It's true. Um, I don't know. It's just really compelling to me. And I don't fully know what to do with that, but it's a really interesting image. It's like once you realize that, or once you, once you see, once you recognize that the divine is in everyone, and you yeah. have to to deal with that. Yeah. And the fact that they might appear really bad or really evil to some extent, mm-hmm. or and you have to and you have to live with that, and you have to engage with them. So what do you do? Yeah. What do you do when? How do you? <laughs> How do you deal with the fact that people are both divine and like really messed up and full of shadow and full of dark darkness? We want to put it yeah. that way. I think it's really telling. Like, I don't, I don't super know where I stand. Like, like in terms of universalism, heaven and hell, etc. Like, there's a lot I'm still processing through and whatever, but. I feel like at the borderline, everyone should desire for universalism to be true. Like, even if you disagree, that's fine. There's probably plenty of reasons for you to disagree. But there's all, 
the the fact that like there's so many people who would get angry if universalism was true is really telling for me because of purity culture they exactly. want the people that don't fit in the people that are they think deserve it to be destroyed forever yeah or worse suffer forever it, no no exactly it's it's this perverted sense of justice where it's like well they deserve this etc i'm like mm. okay maybe whatever but like wouldn't you want them to not have to like wouldn't yeah. you want to live in a world where everyone can just be on the same page? So then the question becomes like, how do we how do we free ourselves from this fundamentalism, from this purity culture <sighs> that desires to cancel everything that is wrong according to that person or deserves it according to that person? Again, one thing Peter Rollins talks about is that the only way out is to embrace that there's no way out. <laughs> And in embracing that, that's kind of the way out. Mm. It's like by recognizing and accepting that shadow, you free yourself from that shadow. Yeah. By identifying with it, you subvert it and mm -hmm. kind of rob it of its power. And that's obviously it's kind of abstract and it's hard to put that in like a, a really tangible, like what can I do in a, a practical day-to-day -day sense? But it's like, like we talked about in Love and Opposition, it's just engaging thoughtfully yeah, and with an open ear to people yeah. you disagree with or people you think belong in the cancellation zone or hell. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and we've been, we've been kind of talking around a mantra of Colin, Colin Toffelmeyer. Mm. And I don't remember if he said this when he was on the episode. I don't think he, I don't think he did. So I'm going to say it here where he talks a lot about like, you need to engage in every op argument with charity and every encounter mm -hmm. you have, you need to engage yep. in with charity. If you're not looking at like the best possible version of that argument, you're, yep. you're doing it wrong essentially. And you're going to inevitably like strip that person down and try to dehumanize them or whatever. Yep. And yep. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember, I think it was in hermeneutics. Somebody asked him some sort of question was like, how do you debate people or whatever? Um, and he said something along the lines of like, if you, if you walk away from an argument and that person feels like they are still loved, then you've won. Like, that's the only winning that there is. Yep. And just question, like, don't hold on to that certitude that like, I'm a hundred percent right. And I'm going to listen to this argument with the intention of proving how I'm right. Instead, listen with the intention of proving how you're wrong. Oof. Imagine doing that. Imagine taking your ego and being like, you know what? I'm going to go into this, into this debate, into this argument, into this discussion, and I'm going to act or I'm going to listen. I'm going to engage as if I am the one who's wrong and they're mm. right. Mm. And how much differently that would, uh, how much differently you would come away from that. Yeah. Like humbled, yeah. most likely. Because <laughs> oftentimes there's, there's truth in places that you sometimes don't expect it. It's true. And, you know, like, I think back to this quote from Emerson about how he engages with um, his his critics to mm. some extent. <laughs> and this is this is what he says. I am not careful to justify myself, but lest uh, I'm going to skip a bit here, but lest I should mislead any when I have my own head and obey my my whims. Let me remind the reader that I am only an experimenter. Do not set the least value on what I do or the least discredit on what I do not as if I pretended to settle anything as true or false. I unsettle all things. No facts are to me sacred. None are profane. 
I simply experiment, an endless seeker with no past at my back. Now, I don't know if anyone understood what that just said, but just come down to the fact that I unsettle all things and no facts to me are sacred. Yeah. And none are profane. Mm-hmm. Just be open. Mm-hmm. Just listen. Yeah. Experiment. Think. Mm-hmm. Engage. And do yeah. so without the ego that says, I need to justify myself. Mm-hmm. Lewis- and instead, be careful not to justify yourself. Lewis talks a lot about like kind of an iconoclast concept mm. of god where you're continually like breaking apart what you think god is and i think yeah by doing that you also need to do that with the image of god yep and you need to constantly be reinventing and re-asking yourself how do i engage with people what do i think because comfortability creates individualism in a way also if we can become too comfortable as our society often is we don't recognize the antagonisms yeah. We don't, aren't able to see the problems, the the so many inherent problems in our society, whether it is systemic racism, yeah. whether it is um, the environmental challenges that we face and have created. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that we half of our products are results of like slave labor or um, basically equivalent to in, in Eastern countries. Right. Yeah. Um, there are so many things that if we were to recognize how fucked up our society really is at its core most of us would like what would we do Mm -hmm. it it would like and that's what that's kind of what peter rollins's whole thing is like look and see this fundamental antagonism here look and see the fundamental problems in our society and then recognize that the only way out is to recognize that there's no way out and from there you can start to yeah subvert the the problems that exist Mm mm-hmm and we obviously still need to hold each other accountable for, for injustice if we're in a position to do so. That's uh, <laughs> If we don't do that, we end up with a system of oppression. And like Rollins kind of talks about how Marx understood religion as the opiate of, of the people and how it is basically like an imaginary flower covering up the chains of oppression. And you need to get rid of the flower in order to start breaking the chains and picking living flowers. We need to recognize these injustices, these systems of oppression, in order to start changing them, in order to start um, building a more equitable society, a more um, restorative society. And so I think it kind of all comes down to, like, you can disagree with someone, have that dialogue, still hold those accountable for injustice when they perpetrate, if you're in that position to do so, but all the while maintaining each other's dignity and humanity. Basically, live in love, live in charity, whilst continuing to recognize that we live in a world with fundamental antagonisms. And that's just all part of it, and it seems to me that love includes the antagonisms, too. I don't know if that really links the Ambrose drop to... I think a little bit. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel very out of it today, which, whatever. It's I'm graduated soon i'm done all my work at yeah. least so i, I had care notes about anything. you have notes i don't so and i also like just before this listened to like both of the things glendon yeah. talked about so. and i did not i was prepped there we go um i was going to be prepped and then i got busy that probably uh calls it wraps up the episode um so if you disagree and want to cancel us please do <laughs> Please do. <laughs> we uh, welcome it. This somehow ends up in the National Post. I would love it if this podcast were in the National Post. 
well, we'd finally get some listeners. That's true. <laughs> we'd get a lot of angry reviews, but like... Hey, no publicity is bad publicity. Exactly. Um, thanks for listening, even if you did listen, just to try to disagree with us and prove us wrong. Ben Shapiro, if you're listening right now, I'm happy that you went to Home Depot. Good for you. Yeah, I'm happy you got that piece of wood. <laughs> that singular piece of wood. It, you know what? <laughs> Everyone needs a little bit of wood in their lives, let's be honest. Um, and Glendon's about to get a lot in his life when he moves in, right? Oh, yikes. <laughs> and that's how I get canceled. But yeah, that's it for the episode. Um, leave us a review because we never get any of those and we want to see if you listen or tweet at us. Besides Ben, we know you listen. We know you'll tweet at us. But we need more engagement than just you. Yeah, come on. And unfortunately, Glendon's dream of getting in Johnson inside of him is dead. But like... Yeah, well, not dead, but it's just unlikely because... Well, we're getting our only shipment for like a month and a bit next week and i highly doubt you'll be in that three hundred thousand. so yeah will i get vaccinated in the next month and a bit who knows i mean to be yeah it's true i mean i think the next shipment's supposed to come in june so maybe maybe the dream's alive but hopefully things start to open up and we can do fun things and like actually see people in person there we go would be nice that would be good then, oh oh i could <laughs> I could out somebody right now. I got, I got invited to a like a Snyder Cut watch party. I'm not gonna say oh their God. name. I got, yeah, I don't. I, I'm, I got invited to, the, and in my brain I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll. I think, I think I first got this was first being established like a month ago, so like mm-hmm. when numbers were a lot lower. Yeah. Um, and then now I, I got thinking about it because it, it's gonna happen tomorrow, and I got thinking about it the other night, and I was like, wait. You're probably that's four hours long. You're not gonna do that outside, and there's gonna be food. Is this an indoor gathering? And so I messaged him, and and basically it is. I'm like, I'm not going. <laughs> that's uh, it's very like, sus. To some, now here's here's where I'm gonna try to practice my <laughs> my anti purity culture thing. <laughs> to some extent, I empathize, and I definitely want to see people again in person. Yeah, like I would love. I would love to have an indoor gathering with people, but I also there, recognize that cases are the highest they've literally ever been in Alberta. Yeah. And we literally like, that is the worst way to yeah. interact with people right now is to yeah. have a big indoor gathering, there watching a movie ways. and eating. Have a campfire. Like, have a campfire. Like go outside and do things with people and don't go inside or else you might accidentally be with someone who has COVID and like someone I know. Just, uh, just, it's only like another Give it another month and a half, and you'll probably be vaccinated, and then you can have your indoor gathering. Yeah. It's not that long. I'm already upset that I was so close to getting some sort of walk the stage, and it got canceled on me. Yeah. That's very upsetting. Sad. So, I'm blaming everyone. <laughs> it's it's all COVID. It is all COVID. <sighs> but but things will life. get better. Hopefully. And we'll find, we'll get out of this, and then we'll go into the Roaring Twenties, just like a yeah. hundred years ago. Yeah, that was and a great then, period for literature. It was a great yeah. period for art. Yeah, and a and great our, period for parties. Yeah, and our next episode will be different because we will be 
at least the two of us yeah. will potentially be face to face because we'll be in this. This will be interesting what we do because we have we still have our plan for like an LGBTQ episode. Yeah, that'll. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how we intend to organize that, but because we want to do an Enneagram episode, we want to do an LGBTQ episode, we want to have Darren on for an episode. That'd be fun. And my dream is still to have that Emerson expert on for an episode. Yeah. But that's four episodes that we've got to do in the next like two months. Yeah. And then we also want to record that special thing. We've got a special thing coming over the summer that you will hopefully enjoy. Or ignore one of those. It involves fantasy roleplay and handcuffs. Oh, that's news <laughs> to me. <laughs> Uh, that'll do it. Uh, this is the longest outro I think we've had. Um, yeah, this is. I, I think we're both very low energy at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of. I I had my whole fundamentalism thing, and now I'm kind of just rambling. Yeah, I was mostly like, oh my goodness, the National Post contacted me. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of hype, and it also kind of like up my adrenaline, and then got me into a down. So yeah, I'm sorry. Um, all right, are we on the internet? So long, Chicago. Good night, Thursday. Good night, Seattle. Seattle. Uh, Critical role on the brain.